Welcome to A Pitcher of Beer with Stick It In Your Ear, a 24-year-old record store in Springfield, Missouri. I'm your host, Nathan Weidman, here with owner Wes Nichols to drink beer and unlock the black holes of his mind. So grab a beer and attempt to understand the wealth of useless but kick-ass information. Okay, number 11. We're up to the 80s. Coming out of the 70s, everybody. We're, uh, everything is kind of going in more of a simplistic direction with the advent of punk rock and the Sex Pistols who absolutely changed everything that we know about rock and roll. They had one proper record, uh, introduced mainstream America to punk, for better or worse, kind of erased the chalkboard of what we know to be musical as far as rock and roll, spawned tens of bands in their wake, Everybody from the Ramones and the fuck-ups to later in the 80s, second-generation punk bands like Minor Threat, Operation Ivy, my favorite, probably the Vandals out of California, uh, totally destroyed, once again, just like disco had become a, a schism point in... Uh, Radio rock and rock and roll and the and America's mindset. The same happened with classic rock and punk. Um, even though they were together a couple years, you loved them or you hated them. Johnny Rotten, Steve Jones, uh, Sid Vicious, <coughs> Paul Cook, who we know. Uh, as the Sex Pistols changed it all. They, uh, and even if you didn't like punk, what they did is steer the, the 70s rock and the late 70s rock, who had become very tired and dinosaur-like, as, as music should be about every eight or 10 years, there should be a, a prod in the fucking anal cavity to, to change things and to make people sit up and take notice again. And it seems like all of the, the bands that had been inspired by classic rock that also kind of liked the Sex Pistols somehow ended up in the middle of the road there. And it was a hybrid baby called New Wave. New Wave Music. And this stuff was spearheaded by bands we all still know. Huge bands. Very influential. One of my favorite bands of all time, The Cars. As well as incredible, uh, very, very uh, anachronistic, uh, robotic stuff, keyboard-driven bands like Devo, early Blondie, who was very, very much kind of a punk band with a the first record or two with a, a female lead singer. Groups like The Plasmatics, uh, Elvis Costello, who came out of that time, and all these great artists that uh, most of us still remember, spearheaded. Uh, they didn't quite want to do punk. They didn't quite want to play punk music, but they also didn't want to play the same old tired classic rock bullshit, you know. And uh, it's it's what music needed. And starting with, I think, the Cars. The first two records, self-titling Candio, were classic examples 
of keyboard-driven minor key songs that you could still, you know, dance to or play guitar on the damn uh, dashboard of your car, which everybody did, you know. Uh, Devo also, which had their American debut on Saturday Night Live, and I remember coming to to uh, school that Monday morning, and it had, I mean, really, in my area, I think, raised more heads and people talked about it more than they did the Sex Pistols. Um, Elvis Costello, uh, groups that had the punk swagger, but that were more mindful of melody and uh, guitar-driven, you know, radio-playable rock, but that still had that snotty uh, attitude. Another one of my favorites, The Clash, who kept a very mindful foot in punk, but also were socially conscious, uh, radio playable, uh, and that's not a bad thing. I don't mean to, to say that but radio playable just means something that was very tuneful that, that you could remember that yeah. uh, made made the songs stay in your mind rather than you know bands of the 70s like Kraftwerk and, and Zappa, which a lot of people would considered to be very kind of cold and calculated and uh, but my favorite era it's an era that I grew up with bands that were spawned from the first generation of, of punk slash new wave like the Boomtown Rats you know one of my favorite bands of all time with my favorite one of my favorite guitar players of all time Jerry Cott uh, I just think the Boomtown Rats along with the split ends were sadly horribly and all-encompassingly uh, overlooked, underrated. Uh, videos helped them, but it also kind of lost them in the shuffle of what became what we now know as the MTV generation of the early and mid-80s. So what's your take, do you think, on, uh, on that era? Because you were, you were a small pup of that time, Nate, but... Uh, what, what were the groups and the songs maybe that stuck out for you as you were growing up, seven, eight, nine, ten years old? I don't It's one of those deals. I, I feel like uh, Costello is the only one that made it out of, the, of that kind of genre right. of music. And, I mean, he's still making music, but he's really one of the only guys that you can, in that whole, in that whole list of new wave that you can still say... Rolled with the punches. Yeah, and, he, and he's still making music, and that's... That's really one of the, uh, I don't know. He, I think that's I because he could craft a good pop song. Yeah. And there was nobody and, else that knew he, knew that better than the guy that he ended up working with in the late 80s, Paul McCartney. Yeah. And McCartney always, even in the 70s, when Costello was this young cat, really admired him from afar and really wanted to work with him. And, you know, eight or ten years later, they did an album called Spike. Once again, one of the most underrated rock and roll slash pop records you'll ever hear and it's basically just him and McCartney but go ahead with uh, yeah but uh, I want to say you know what I remember most about the the 80s would be those bands made movie music and you I mean you can look at like cocktail absolutely and shit like that and you you know a lot of that music was was music in the in the movies and 
and it wasn't only MTV. Yeah, MTV was huge because of New Wave. But so you're saying but, songs were written, started to be written with a mindset for the visual. Yeah, okay. I think so. I think that's what that's what I took most out of that. Is you, yeah, you had the songs on the radio or whatever, but a lot of that music, you know, you you got away from. You know, it wasn't like Forrest Gump where you had huge rock ballads in Forrest Gump. It was like. These are dance movies or disco mu- movies or or something. I'm shitty movies. A lot of them were shitty movies. We'll say that, but they just had that kind of theme to them. Sure. And th- this music, and I don't know if that they made that music for the movies or they made those movies. I would think some did and the, some didn't. Yeah, but but I think that in that really was movie music. I think you know people were. Dancing well, and that kind of brings us and... past the first wave of early to mid-80s because all of a sudden you had bands like Duran Duran. Mm-hmm. And that group was very mindful of rock. what became rock videos, which in the 60s and 70s were called promotional clips or promotional films. And they say the very first promotional film, which we would call a video now, was The Penny Lane video that the Beatles did, which is just mm-hmm. this amazing psychedelic thing of them pouring yeah. paint on an upright baby grand piano. And it's just an amazing, cool little psychedelic yeah. gym. But uh, with Duran Duran, these these bands, all of a sudden their fortunes became linked to the videos that they made. So not only were you responsible for writing these cool songs that were radio acceptable and radio playable and radio friendly, but you had to actually be mindful of, of a video. And I think, along with Duran Duran, the, the, the guys that once again were most aware of that and profited from that were the cars. And I think they were so well respected for so many years and loved by so many that it wasn't a wonder. People were like, oh, shocked when the, when the album Heartbeat City came out, their fifth record. Uh, a lot of people were, oh my God, the, the, the rumor is Andy Warhol's going to do some of the Cars videos. And it was, oh, what, what, what does he see in the Cars? Well, it was because even from back in the first and second records, you can hear some of those songs and, and in your head, they became these huge visuals. Yeah. You know, Candio and uh, You're All I've Got Tonight. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and so by the time videos were big, the Cars just fell right in. And they made some of the greatest. Those Andy Warhol uh, videos from Heartbeat City are just still fantastic. They're funny. They're thought-provoking. They're slick. They're everything that uh, that time was known for. Along with the Duran Duran videos, which were incredibly well-crafted and edited. And uh, which kind of, you know, in a way, not only was the band responsible, but the fifth or sixth member... Uh, in that 10-year t- amount of time was the guy who directed their videos. Yeah. You know, he was at all of a sudden a member of the band because he was just as important uh, for showcasing the song and making it become a million seller as any member of the band was. Yeah. Uh, you know, they were... And I, I don't... Like, Andy Warhol is a huge... He's huge in music, but if you think about it, he didn't really do much between the Velvet... No, Under- and the Velvet so I think you're right. I think it was kind of a cool ticket... 
that although he was done, he was a cooked hamburger, that it helped yeah. his career to come along and, and be you, a part of the cars. And if you think about the Velvet Underground, it really was kind of the, the same. Visually the minded. Same little, yes, absolutely. Genre, Very, style. Yes. I mean, the cars. Absolutely. And I, it makes sense that he would do. Yeah, and, and he, you know, you're right, you're right. You said it all because he made these little short films like Heat and Nude in the late 60s that were all wrapped around, uh, you know, these isolated songs or yeah. yeah so he in, in that respect yeah he was way ahead of his time yeah i never really thought about that but maybe but maybe like Warhol was, was responsible for a lot yeah. of what we 20 years later became mm -hmm. uh music videos yeah you know? and i and there wasn't much between the velvet underground and mtv that andy warhol sure. really was known for I right mean, he, he's Absolutely. always done in the 70s he kind of crept into uh film and he did uh andy warhol's dracula and frankenstein which are so hilarious because they're so badly done and he always <laughs> hired these guys that weren't even fucking even adept actors like joe delessandro and at the time paul morrison paul morrissey who became a, a big director but he hired these hacks because they were cheap or free you know and uh by the time he came back in the 80s you know of course his life was almost done but uh i think he 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 loved that that music and video had mm -hmm. become one but uh back to the back to the video in the mtv generation probably wouldn't have been a culture club as successful a minute work uh you know all these bands of cindy lopper that really the videos hinged on half i would think of the popularity of the songs yeah. and i think i think rock and roll in general had become that and man you still had a lot of groups that were forging on you know, and just didn't care about the trends in the eighties. They just kept kept making rock and roll. Yeah. But those bands became what we will probably talk about next week into the realm of hair metal or yeah. what we call heavy metal. Yeah. Um, that Black Sabbath. Your bands of the seventies. Your Sabbath. Your Judas through. Priest. Yeah, they moved your through Iron the eighties. They, they didn't compromise. No. Those those fuckers never had a drum machine. No. They just kept making rock and roll yeah. music. You're Ronnie James Dio, who came out of the Rainbow, out of Rainbow, the group. Mm -hmm. uh, but there was, once again, just like in every great generation, you had the A's and you had the Z's, and they would schism. Well, they were completely different roads, but, you know, they did have a commonality. A lot of them had yeah. a commonality, especially with video. Even the most die-hard die metal fans, those guys were making, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, those guys were making videos. Yeah. Uh, and they spawned a new generation. Your Night Rangers, you know, they were heavily dependent on videos. Ozzy, Solo, all of those old Ozzy videos were huge and were, uh, you know, would have been a fraction of the success had it just been radio reliable. The video, which I absolutely miss, I, I can't believe that we've just let music video go away. I wish it would come back because even if you didn't give a shit about 75%. If you would say turn on MTV when you get home in the afternoon, yeah. you might not like you might not like 45 minutes, it's but it would it would really inform you of what people are buying, what what shades music was it's, turning into and turning out of, you know. Yeah. But that 15 minutes that you dug, man, you really it turns you on to and, and I sadly radio's not like that. I, they don't uh, break new artists MTV's anymore. MTV's not like that. No, no, MTV. I mean, Sadly, I I've always said, I've always said, said the the 
the idiom or the the media that created the the biggest bloom flower bloom of music in the world ever which was MTV mm-hmm. was also the one that killed it yeah. with what we now call reality TV yeah. and if you remember uh, what was what was it called man the very they, they had the very first reality show not road rules but uh, but it was like that but anyway yeah. it was it, it just totally yeah. crushed what we know and, and, and TV now is nothing but what you call reality TV, which yeah. it's not fucking re- real at all. No. It's all scripted and all. And I think uh, MTV still plays music videos in the morning. Very rarely. Very in the rarely. morning, I yeah. think you can get it right. You know, six, right. seven o'clock. But in it's the not in our. It's not in our but American it, conscience like it used to well, be. And I wish it were. They don't make money, and YouTube right. and YouTube kind of killed music videos right. too because right. you can make more sure. money. Right, right. It has evolved into that, but I miss yeah. the simplicity yeah. that was in TV, where you don't have to sit by yourself alone on a computer and watch it all the fucking time. Yeah. You could casually turn it on while you're making mm. dinner, or you could watch maybe an hour, which would catch you up on the whole fucking yeah. week. Yeah, the top you know. 40 or whatever you could get. Right, right. But it's just, it's sad that, you know, I know things evolve and the technology evolves, mm. but I think we miss how informative... Like I said, once again, you might not like but a fraction of what was on MTV, but the ones you did, it turns you on to new groups and new situations and new sounds. You know, I don't hear anything new anymore. I don't. And I should. I would love to. But now I go back and I find groups. There's still a plethora. I mean, I could live to be 200 in, in, in my genre, which is psychedelic 60s. There's stuff that I listen to now and I go, who is that? Never heard of that group. You know, never... You know, it's just there was so much stuff back but, then. But you and I, I think you and I both hit a time where we're not going to find new music that's just come out. Not anymore. Like I, then that's why I moved to vinyl is because I can find new music, but it didn't just come out. Right. You know, like that's and that's well my, put. That's my well whole put. deal. Is, well put. Um, of course, there's always going to be a few exceptions. I'm a real yeah. fan. Of this group, and I don't know a whole lot about it, but I really like what they're doing, and it's their name is Ghost. I love those guys. They're playing mm-hmm. on the uh, the uh, almost theater version of rock. They, uh, it's this spooky horror movie kind of ethos. I absolutely love that. Well, I like. There's still singer songwriters out there now, sure. you know, and even like I like Lana Del Rey, and she might not even right. write her own shit, but uh, or Ed Sheeran or. Passenger, the people that write their own music, you have to listen to it. It's not yeah. just this stupid radio stuff, and that's what I try and tell people. When you when you say you like someone, it it, it can't be for the songs that are on the radio. Like well, and you have to be just like in any other time, man. You have to be able to back it up. There's nothing yeah. worse than some guy that walks in with a misfit shirt and he likes it because it's got a fucking skull on it. You know, you want to say to those guys, name me three like, fucking I, misfit song. Some guy walks in with a tattered old Doors song, well, a Doors shirt, and you go, man, maybe five fucking yeah, Doors songs. I just and you know, saw, you have to quantify that. Yeah. I'm not going to go wear uh, a Jake Sniffer fucking surf shirt and not know who the fuck that guy is, yeah. man. I mean, it's and just, I, it's I just asinine. Saw, I just saw a video on the internet, this girl wearing a Nirvana shirt, and someone, she was at a party, and someone was playing, I can't remember what song it was, but you, you know that was Kurt Cobain. And she didn't know who it was. 
who wow, singing the song. Like you and I it doesn't matter what song it is. Right. Like if you're a Nirvana fan, you know who Kurt Cobain is. Like right. you sure. and that and it's not he could sing anything yeah. and you know who that is. And she didn't know. She couldn't tell the guy. Oh well. You're just like that's are, sad. are you serious? Sad. You you yeah. bought this shirt at Hot Topic because yeah. it was on sale or you thought it looked cool. Sure. And <laughs> Yeah, you, you just, just want to you, you want to look at a that somebody that comes in with a Nevermind shirt on and say, dude, do you, do you like Nirvana or do you just like pictures of naked babies yeah. trying to swim? Try, yeah, exactly. You know, because you're, like, you're just as likely to get the latter as you are yeah. the former. But, uh, and, and that's the way, I think that's the way music is going. You know, if, if you I, don't I hate hear it on the radio, I hate if you don't hear that. it on, yeah. and I, I like a lot of music and even new stuff, but you have to get away from you have MTV. To you, have you have to get to away dig. from MTV. You, you have to get away from the radio right. and YouTube or whatever. And that's, that's how we, we have to start thinking is these, these apps like Spotify. If I listen to, you know, Springsteen or whoever, you can scroll down to the bottom, and it will say you would also like. I love and that. And I love there's that. eight more people, and two of them you might not ever have heard of. Right. I love that. I love yeah. that. And that's when it works. Pandora. Yeah. Same way. That and kind of stuff. And that's how people need to start. We need to quit buying into this new music and new music, because I don't think it's going anywhere. It, and you, if you look at new music of today, even all this uh, dubstep stuff where it's all just... Music. There's no words. It's all computerized. But you, if you go back to the '80s, if you take the words out of all that music, it's all a keyboard. Even a the, even the '70s, oh. they say the first ambient records ever made were by uh, uh, Brian Eno and Robert Fripp. Mm-hmm. You know, and but we're just going back to right. And it, yeah, we have new technology or whatever. You can make any kind of noise you want, but we're going back to if you take people out of a band. We're right back to the eighties. I mean, if you take well, it's a it's a time old saying, and I think your point is, and I'm trying to generalize it. Quit fucking being reactive when you when you listen to music and be proactive. Yeah, and that I think is where you learn the most is when you go and actively find out not only the songs you like but why those fucking songs were written. And we're we're losing the rock and roll part of this music, like. And even, not even rock and roll, but the blues, the storytelling, the the new or even old stories. You have to get away from this. Music isn't everything, but lyrics are. I mean, you could make a you could make an incredible song, and not have like look at Bob Dylan. He wrote so many songs, but he didn't use but three instruments. And if somebody took those songs. Those lyrics, let's say the lyrics, not just the songs, but made them now into something way better. That's good music, you know. That's songwriting. Even Springsteen said, "If you even Springsteen said, if you can't write a song, people aren't going to listen to it. I mean, they're they're not going to. You can't, and you can't take, you can't rely on a computer to make music for you. Can't do it." We're going to get nowhere. And I think that a lot of people are realizing this, and that's why... Well, all the more reason why the detractors of the 80s say that's exactly what they did, which was take basic drum machines and make music. But I have to totally disagree with that, because there has to be a song. 
There has yeah. to be a song that's, that that's crafted into. Yeah. And the greatest bands continued and, and flourished in the late 80s, where the ones yeah. in the early 80s kind of fell well, apart. Even, yeah, even Queen used synthesizers and stuff. After like, a point, yeah, right. And they, right. And they still progressed on. And, and made and great they, songs. Yeah, right. and you can, you can use it, but you, I mean, Freddie Mercury was a king. I, you, and you have to, to look at that as he knew what he was doing, and it worked. It worked for them, and you can use keyboards and and take this stuff, but you have to use it. You know, kind of like Manford Man. A to lot craft of his the song, music, to yeah. flesh out the song yeah, rather than like, to yeah to give the song give the song make soul. it the song. Right, you can't right, make right, these. Right. But like Manford Man made Amazing. incredible music. Right. But and because the Springsteen whether, lyrics were there, well, yeah, whether the lyrics were <laughs> something or not, but it, it, you can't deny that that was an amazing song. That was that was part, and that's part of it. You know, you can't. You have to experiment, and oh, you yeah. have to sure. move on. But you can make great music with synthetic instruments, but the music has to the be soul there. Has yeah, to be it there. has to. That can't be one genre. Very interesting. I think this is part. This this. Uh, episode is probably going to raise more fuck yous and exactly <laughs> exactly guys it, it will be probably the most split reaction we've ever gotten but uh it was a strange time and yeah. the 80s the end of the of the the you know the hangover of punk versus disco i mean something good had to come out of it and uh it and was we- it and was, you can't be was, done with the 80s. This is our last one in the 80s. Uh, rap started. I mean, right. NWA came out of the 80s. Right. And, right. you know, Tupac's right there after. Uh, it's, and Once again, from the, another, end, from the end of... And the death and the, and the burning up of yeah. certain genres becomes the, the phoenix rising from other types of music. Yeah, and we had real rap, I would call right. it that. That was the, the beginning of rap music. Right, but the eighties were, the eighties themselves uh, very were contradictory, questionable. I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, you had way too much stuff yeah. in the eighties, and then it kind of exploded and all died. De- you know, it debatable. Was, it was kind of like long... ska of the nineties. Right, like that's all it lived. Right, and a lot of stuff in the eighties that was all it lived. Right, and and until next week, everybody. That's what the fuck we do. 